when we look at those worst case scenarios, I mean, your state attorney general can get involved in this. Okay. Yeah. And when there's an attorney general investigation, you've got to imagine the unlimited resources of a state or even federal government in investigating the proper use of somebody's data and whether you've been negligent in securing that data. Hello and welcome to another episode of Law and Church, a podcast for church leaders. My name is Brian Fitton. I'm here with Josh Bryant, managing attorney at Church General Counsel and an ordained pastor. Hey Josh, welcome back into the studio. How's it going? Man, it's going pretty well. How are y'all? Doing doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm excited to uh, to kind of talk with our about our our topic today, better data security. Um I will say this, I mean, you know, we hear about security breaches all over the place, yeah. right? Um but why do churches need to worry about data security? Well, you know, people are really concerned about their data. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and they very well should be, Rightly you so. know. They yeah. they should be, you know. And for churches, the issue has become we're now getting into a, a technical, technologically advanced age here. You know, we're doing things like text to give, which means we're using software that houses somebody else's credit card. Yeah, we're using online uh, giving, which means we're using software that has access to somebody else's credit card or bank account. We're doing ACH transactions where we're automatically drafting money out of. Uh, people's bank accounts and out of their checking accounts, which means somewhere we have a form signed uh, that has their account number and their routing number on there. So, of course, we've got to be very careful with people's data. Uh, And, you know, worst case scenario here, I mean, uh, it, it hasn't reared its ugly head yet, but theoretically it's it could, is this whole issue of GDPR, which is this European data privacy law. Listen, if you've got somebody from Europe or in Europe, even if it's an American who is in Europe on business accessing your website, then you are now subject under that European law to GDPR. It might be hard to enforce. Uh, there are a whole lot of questions about conflicts of laws and what jurisdiction would control. Can you even be subject to a European law as an American church? lot of questions still out there that are unanswered, but the fines and the, the penalties for violating GDPR, it's like 2 million euros or 2% of your annual revenue, whichever is greater. Well, when you think about a church that's got, you know, a million dollars in annual revenue, 2% of that, that's a lot of money, Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and a lot of money that churches can't necessarily come up with. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that can happen when there's a data security breach and all the bad things that can happen. Um, and I've had one client that has had to deal with uh, a data security uh, issue and and just the cost to the church, the, the publicity issues, the lack of confidence that people will now have with financial data uh, and trusting the church with financial data and information. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. We've got to get ready for it. We've got to be in front of this. This is not something that we can say, oh, well, I hadn't heard any other churches having data security issues, so we'll just not worry about data security. It only takes one. Yeah. Uh, and it, it it doesn't need to be your church. So we need to talk about data security. Absolutely. We don't want to scare churches away from using data because data is good, right? Yeah. It, it gives us insight to better serve our community and to serve our, our congregation. So, but... Just you have that responsibility to make sure it is secure um, and even have your policies in place to be able to actually handle if there is an issue and what happens after that issue and how do we handle that. I think I think that's good. But, yeah, let's talk about that. So better churches use data. They do. You know, and, you know, in my ministry career, some of the biggest objections that I've gotten uh, to have been to this issue of using data and collecting data and having 
forms to fill out, you know, and tracking attendance has mm-hmm. been a big issue. You know, uh, one of the biggest objections I got, or, or I guess what surprised me the most, uh, was an objection that said it just feels like a business. It, it feels like <laughs> this is this is just a business, and you know what? It is a business. It's not just a business. It is the business. It is the only business that has any lasting impact or yeah. any eternal impact whatsoever. Uh, this is God's business. It's God's kingdom. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely, we want to excel in that. Uh, and and one way to do that is to gather as much information as we possibly can and use that to tailor what we do for the sake of efficiency and effectiveness in reaching our communities yeah. and the world with the gospel. Uh, and so, absolutely, we want to use data. We want to collect attendance records. We need to know whether our churches are healthy. We need to know how many giving units we have. You know, we had Donnie Baker on the podcast several months ago, uh, and we talked about uh, you know, some of the things about how we get loans as a church. Well, the before a bank is going to make a church a loan, it's got to have certain data. It's got to know how many giving units there are. It needs to know who the, the top five or ten donors in the church are and how much they've given. And it needs to know what your attendance uh, trends are like and what your giving trends are like. And all of that requires us to capture data. And so, Better churches who are growing, who are healthier, they're going to be using this data. You know, and, and my first manager, uh, when I first entered the workforce, said this. He said, you cannot manage what you cannot measure. You've got mm. to be able to measure what it is you do. And if you can't do that, then you can't manage it, you can't manipulate it, you can't work with it uh, in order to become more effective and accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And so we've got to be able to measure what we're doing, and in doing so, we're going to collect data in the process. And the question becomes, how do we keep that data secure? And Absolutely. that's a big issue in today's world. And so you referenced the, uh, you know, the episode with Donnie Baker. He's Senior Vice President of Commercial Lending. That's actually episode eight. Yeah. So that's a great episode. Go back and re-listen to that one, especially around you know, process-driven debt and understanding that for your church. That's Absolutely. fantastic. So, um, All right. So the next one here is Better Churches Secure Data. Yeah. You know, if if better churches use data, better churches are also going to secure that, and they're going to keep it safe. And, you know, again, we get into this situation where we have to take a look at the worst-case scenario if we don't do that. Uh, and that's just how lawyers are trained, and I don't apologize <laughs> for that. We've got to prepare for the worst-case scenarios yeah, so yeah. that we're prepared for the not-so-bad scenarios that can still cause problems, uh, and even prepare for the best-case scenarios. But when we look at those worst-case scenarios, I mean, your state attorney general can get involved in this. Okay, yeah. and when there's an attorney general investigation, you've got to imagine the unlimited resources of a state or even federal government in investigating the proper use of somebody's data and whether you've been negligent in securing that data. There are reporting requirements in all 50 states on how to handle a data breach. And if you don't follow that, you're going to subject yourself not only to that investigation, but also to fines. You can subject your church to a lawsuit. Uh, you can subject your church to bad public relations problems. I mean, when you think of the bigger data security uh, issues and data breaches that we've seen, uh, those have have created not only legal issues, but public relations issues for those companies and firms who've had Mm -hmm. customer data stolen. People lose confidence in the ability of that company or that firm, or in this case, a church, to handle sensitive data. Mm -hmm. And we do have sensitive data. I mean, and, and we're taking all of this sensitive data and we're putting it in electronic format where it can be stolen. And so when we think about people's bank account numbers and routing numbers and we're doing ACH transactions, you know, I'm sitting here right now in front of me with an iPad and an Apple pen. Mm-hmm. How many people do biblical counseling with the same tools? Yeah. 
All right. So you talk about very mm. sensitive, very private, very personal data that could be stolen yeah. uh, and can be used against somebody. And so we don't want any of that. We've got to be very, very careful about it. And it could create public relations issues for you. Uh, so, you know, when you don't secure data, when there's a data breach, you still have to to know exactly what to do if that happens, okay? Uh, and, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is these, these reporting requirements. Well, one of those reporting requirements says not only do you have to notify everybody whose data could have been stolen, you also have to provide them a year's worth of credit monitoring, sometimes two years' worth of credit monitoring. When you look at 20 or 40 bucks a year uh, for however many people you have data on, and listen, there are churches out there who don't purge church data, you know, when you're on the rolls, you're, you're on the roll and they're going to keep you there, including address, telephone numbers, dates of birth, email addresses, email addresses yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Well, some of that stuff is personally identifiable information, you know, birthdays, addresses, you know, you're now a social security number shy of having enough information to go open a credit card for somebody. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, or open a credit card using somebody else's information. So you've got to make sure that that data is secure. And when you think about the fact that you keep all that data for years and years and years and years at a time, there are churches who run 150 people on Sunday morning who have 1,500 people or 2,000 people on their roles yeah. and have data on, on a couple of thousand people. And if you've got data on a couple of thousand people and all of that is stolen, that's still... Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just in credit monitoring. Yeah, yeah. For these people, not to mention the reporting requirements, the the data breach remediation uh, that you're going to have to go out and buy, and the experts and the consultants and the lawyers that you're going to have to hire. It's very costly, very yeah. very costly. And so we've got to secure that data. Absolutely. Um, and we talked about this reference earlier, but better churches have a written information security plan. Yeah, a WISP. You a need, WISP. You need a WISP. <laughs> Uh, you've got to have this written information security plan. You've got to, you've got to be in a situation where you're not making decisions on the fly on how you're going to respond to one of these things. It's it's the you know he who fails to plan plans to fail. Yeah. Uh, right. And so we've got to plan for what happens if there's a data security issue. And before we go too much further, let me say this: a lot of people think, well, nobody's going to hack a church. Okay. Most data breaches are not hackers. Most data breachers are an employee who leaves mm. a cell phone somewhere yeah. that has access to all this data or a computer somewhere that has access to all this data uh, that somebody steals and opens up that computer. They haven't sat outside uh, trying to hack into your your databases or, or your servers or anything like that through the public Wi-Fi or anything like that. They just steal a computer or steal a phone or a tablet, and they've got access to all this stuff. So... You think about how frequent and how common that could be as opposed to somebody who has the technical ability to sit out there and try to hack a church. Yeah, somebody may not hack a church, but somebody who could steal a computer and get this data, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's certainly possible. So we've got to take some steps uh, in order to plan for if this happens, if we lose data, if somebody, you know, if data is compromised, if we have a, a an employee who is, uh, you know, fired and now we have a, a, an employee with a grudge who wants to do some harm, We've got to know how we're going to respond if that data is lost or stolen or breached in somehow. So, you know, there's several different things you can do. The first one I always tell churches, you have got to have an inventory of every piece of hardware and every piece of software that you've got. Mm -hmm. You cannot secure what you do not know you have. Yeah. 
plain and simple. If you don't know you have it, you can't secure it. And so you've got to, to have an inventory of all the hardware that you've got, every computer, every server, every switch, every router, every uh, phone, tablet, whatever. You've got to have an inventory of all those things. And you've got to have an inventory of all the software. All right. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week when we talk about uh, bring your own device policies. But uh, you, you know, you've got to know what apps are on phones that employees have access to mm-hmm. when that same phone is used to access church data. Yeah. Because those apps can be designed to talk to one another and steal church data. You've got to be careful with that kind of stuff. And so uh, you've got to have an inventory of all that software. You know, second thing is you've got to make sure that that all hardware and all your mobile devices have a secure configuration. So you need a policy that requires that mobile phones require a password uh, or some sort of biometric. You know, you've got the, either the face ID or the thumbprint ID. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, you've got to have a lock on those cell phones. You've got to have password protection requirements on your computers and on your email and all that other stuff. So you've got to have secure configuration of those things. Administrator privileges. You know, there are some churches who just give administrator privileges to anybody who wants it. No, you can't do that because they make so many changes. It gets access to so much data that you don't need to have access to, uh, that not everybody needs to have access to. So you've got to make sure that your administrator privileges are pretty strictly controlled. You need a firewall. You need proper routers in place with proper security. You need data switches and you need to be able to cordon off or partition um, public Wi-Fi access from staff Wi-Fi access that can access those databases. You've got to have all that separate to make sure that there's, uh, you know, just better security there. You've got to have your virus and your malware malware protection. So one of the big things right now is ransomware. You know, you've got to have protection against that because what happens in a ransomware issue is that there's software that's downloaded on a computer. It locks up your computer and says, I'll give you the passwords where you can get your data back after you transfer $10,000 to this bank account. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, or and you go and buy a $10,000 gift card and Bitcoin, leave it here, Bitcoin. Of, yeah. yeah. All yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and so with, with that kind of ransomware, anybody's susceptible to that. Individuals are susceptible to it. And if I'm susceptible to it and you're susceptible to it, then you know, churches are susceptible to it. right. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be very careful. And we've got to have that proper protection in place and you've got to train your people. Yeah. You've got to train your people. They have to know how to be safe with data and and safe on how they interact online. Obviously, there are websites that you know we don't need to go to. There are obviously webs, uh, you know, emails that you get uh, that you know if they're telling you, "Hi, I'm some prince from Kenya, and you've mm-hmm. uh, inherited 37 million U.S. dollars." You can't click on that. Try to get thirty-seven million dollars. <laughs> They're going to steal your data. They're going to get stuff, uh, you know, bad programs downloaded on your servers, and it's just going to cause problems. So, you know, you've got to train your people not to follow that kind of stuff. And there's several different ways you can do that. Uh, you know, you can do phishing exercises, and phishing is where, uh, and it's spelled with a P, P H I S H I N G. So, phishing is where somebody spoofs a website uh, and and ba- or or they they send you an email that looks legit to get you to click on a link. And then when you click on that link, it downloads a virus or Trojan horse, malware, whatever, mm-hmm. ransomware onto your computer or onto your server. And so you've got to go through exercises that's, that tell people. Matter of fact, uh, I had done some data security training. I'd actually taught a data security class while I was still on staff at, at church. And I failed the data security test when they <laughs> sent the fake phishing email. I was like, <laughs> Doggone it. But it looks so real. It does. You've yeah. got to be yeah. careful with that. And so you've got to train your people on how to do that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, one of the things you can do, uh, and this is not something that a lot of churches do, but I think it's still worthwhile doing, is you can create what's called a honeypot on your server, uh, which a honeypot is basically a, a file full of bogus number. I mean, you can, you can create a file that says social security numbers, and you can put a whole bunch of bogus social security numbers in there, or uh, ACH data transfer mm-hmm. uh, information, whatever. Stuff that somebody's going to be looking for. They're going to go in yeah. there, ooh, Bank account numbers, I think I'll click on that. Yep. Well, when they click on that, a honeypot, what it does is records where that came from. Mm-hmm. It kind of corners them in your system and, and kind of trap them and, and then kick them out. And it gives you a log and gives you the ability to remediate against something like that. And so you can put honeypots out there. Um, all that stuff is important. Um, all this stuff is important. But here's the most important piece. And this is really what, what a lot of people will get hung up on. You know, you, they're technologically advanced and they want to talk about honeypots and phishing exercises and, and firewalls and 128-bit security protocols and all these other things. <laughs> you cannot forget physical security. Yeah, You have got to have your servers behind the lock and key. Nobody needs to have access to that who doesn't mm-hmm. need to have access to it. You've got to lock that stuff up. You have got to train your people to take care of of church computers. You know, you can't leave a laptop laying around in the airport. You can't log in to suspicious wireless networks. You know, (laughs) I've I've heard of one church, this was not a client of mine, but I was talking to another attorney who works with churches and and this is an issue that that this person had had dealt with. Um, You know, sometimes Christians can be rather frugal people. They want to pay for airport Wi-Fi. And so they go out there and they find an open Wi-Fi network that looks like it's free what that is is somebody who's paid for Wi-Fi, and they're just kind of daisy-chaining you through it. Mm-hmm. And anything that you do online now, they're going to be able to see. Yep. And yep. so uh, there were credit cards stolen. You know, they had purchased some stuff on a church credit card sitting in an airport using an unsafe Wi-Fi network. Now the church's credit card information had been stolen. So wow. you've got to be careful with that kind of stuff. You cannot forget the physical security of your hardware and just safe practices as you're traveling or on Wi-Fi or online, you've got to be very, very safe about that. You can't forget that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, and again, to go back to what we talked about at the beginning, this stuff happens every single every day. day. And, and it's not something in, and I'm, I'm, there may be folks out there listening right now that this has happened to identity theft has happened to them personally. Um, but I just, even the amount of hours and the money that's involved in trying to retrieve all that information, trying to get your life back, do the due diligence up front, make sure to plan it out, make sure that you have these steps in place. Um, where can they go to find out more information about this? If you want a sample WISP, that's the written information security plan, just go out to our website, churchgeneralcouncil.com still works. You can go out to churchlawgroup.com, uh, and there's going to be a place where you can get a sample uh, written information security plan so that you can at least have a template to work off of as you customize that for your church. So go out and uh, take a look at that. It's a, it's a really good starting point to get this plan in place. you got to start somewhere, and that's a good place to start. That's been another episode of Law and Church, and all the resources we've talked about today will be in the show notes. Uh, You can get those show notes on the Church Law blog at thechurchlawgroup.com or on our podcast website at lawandchurch.com. And of course, the show notes will always be available in your favorite podcasting app. That's right. And go do us a favor. Please go subscribe and review to our podcast. Listen, our heart is for the local church, and there are church leaders who really need to hear this stuff. And your review and subscription of the podcast just makes it that much more likely. And Certainly, we're going to be talking about stuff next week uh, that you're going to want to hear as we go into more detail. So uh, your subscription is also going to help make sure that you have access to that. And so uh, go do that. And then also make sure to go join the Church Law Group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, search Law and Church, and you will find that group. You can also find the link in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. Yep, And we will uh, see you next week.